Morning, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches this morning. And if today is your first time with us today, man, thank you so much for being with us. We're excited because we are in our third week of a series called You Drive Me Crazy. And it's a sermon series about a frustration that every one of us have felt when it comes to relationships. And it's that thought that you just kind of think in your head. Some of you have even said it out loud. It's like, you drive me crazy. So to get us started today, we're going to take a pop quiz. Now, I know I just triggered some of you, but that just felt so good for all the teachers that are in the room that throw pop quizzes on us. No, I'm just teasing when we're in school, because I mean, I always hated it when they would do that. Oh, my goodness. And it was just like, oh, why would they do that to me? Because I never opened the book, right? Uh, but now I'm doing that to you. But here's the difference, okay? There's no grade on this. So just enjoy and play along, right? At all of our campuses, you ready? I'm gonna give you a series of true false statements and you can turn to someone near you and you can give them what you think your answer is or you can just write it down in your notes and prefer not to interact with people. So all of our campuses ready? Here we go. <clears throat> so conflict is inevitable in relationships, true or false. Second one, all right, here we go. Conflict is unhealthy for relationships, true or false, okay? The best relationships have little conflict, okay? And resolving conflict requires courage. All right, let's see how you did. All right, first of all, conflict is inevitable in relationships. That absolutely is true. You cannot have a relationship without some kind of conflict at some form, at some point in your relationship. In fact, 85% of employees experience some point, some form of conflict um, in their relationships, and about 29% that they experience continual conflict at work. Now, that just doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but you know what? It's not just at work, is it? 84% of couples say that they experience conflict at least at a moderate level in their relationship most of the time, and the other 16% struggle to tell the truth, so they pretty much have conflict as well. They just won't admit it, right? So what we know is, is conflict really is, it's part of relationships, and, and for some of you, that doesn't bother you a whole lot because you're just twisted enough to like a little bit of conflict every now and then. But for those of you that are conflict avoidant, somebody said, yeah, their spouse is like, oh my gosh. Uh, here, yeah. But for those of you that are like conflict avoidant, I mean, conflict kills you, doesn't it? But here's some news that I think is gonna help those of you that are a little bit conflict avoidant. The idea that conflict is unhealthy for a relationship is false. Some of you grew up believing that conflict is unhealthy, but that's not true. Dealing with conflict in an unhealthy way is unhealthy for your relationships. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But if you deal with conflict in a healthy way, it's going to make the relationship stronger. Don't miss what I just said. If you deal with conflict in a healthy way, it's going to make the relationship stronger, which leads us to number three, and that is this. The best relationships have little conflict. No, that it's not, it's, got, it's not an indicator of the quality of the relationship. See, again, the way you handle conflict, that predicts the quality of the relationship. And then number four, resolving conflict requires courage. Let me just say this. That is so true because dealing with conflict, 
resolving conflict, it is probably the most courageous thing that you will do in your life to face an issue relationally that you have been trying to avoid. Now, here's a reminder of why all the answers to these questions are so important for us, and that is this. The quality of your relationships determine the quality of your life. In other words, as we've said before in this series, when things are good between you and the people in your life, life is good, right? But when relationships go south, life goes south really, really fast. And we said before, relationships make life worth living and sometimes they make life feel unlivable. In fact, as we talked about for the past few weeks, Jesus said, and he's very clear, that there is a way to break out of this crazy-making cycle that many of us find ourselves in whenever it comes to relationships. But the, re the solution, as we've been, to dis been discovering, is this. It's not what you might think it is. See, we think the solution to relationship problems is behavioral. We think it's a behavioral problem. And that's why we approach our relationship problems by working harder to change ourselves, to please other people, or we work harder to try to change the other person's behavior. As we said in week one, we try to monitor other people's behavior. We try to fix outward behavior to fix our relationship problems. But as we've learned for these last two weeks, Jesus said, that's not the real problem. The external things, those outward behaviors are not the problem. The real problem is a heart problem. In fact, here's how Jesus said this. He said this in Matthew 15, beginning verse 18. He said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, where do they come from? They come from the heart. And those defile them. For out of the heart, comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So Jesus is saying that our reactions, they show more about our hearts than anything else. Our reactions to people, our reaction to event, they tell the whole story about our heart. Now, each week, we are kind of using this prop right here to illustrate what is in our heart. And as I've told you before, it's filled with all these different bouncy balls that are different colored, and they represent all the different emotions that we carry and we feel from the attachments that we have made in our hearts. And attachments are lies <clears throat> or false beliefs or things that we've held on to because of wounds or hurt in our life that we make agreement with. And what's happened is, is we start believing that our relationship problems are behavioral issues. So what we do is we go through life focusing most of our effort, effort trying to keep all these emotions, all this baggage under control. In fact, we try to hide it from everybody else. The problem is that just doesn't work. Because without fail, you're gonna have these moments when somebody bumps into you in a way and it triggers you big time. And it triggers you in a way that just unlocks some wounds that have happened in your life. And here's the thing. Because we're not focused on our heart as the problem, what we do is we tend to blame everybody else around us or that person that bumped into us for what came out of us. And you react and you say or you do something that causes crazy making in your relationship with your parent or your spouse or your children or your coworkers or your classmates. And you think the problem is that person that bumped into you. 
You're like, those people, they created this conflict. It's their fault that they bumped into you. It's not your fault that they bumped into you and then all this came out. But here's the truth. What comes out of you in every reaction, don't miss what I'm saying here. What comes out of you in every reaction is not because of what happened, it's because of what was inside of you. So through this series, we have learned that the condition of our relationships has as much to do with the health of our hearts as it does the behavior of other people. So today what I wanna do is I wanna look at another crazy-making attitude. I didn't wanna fall up here in front of everybody. So um, I wanna look at another crazy-making attitude that we allow to attach to our heart. And as we talked about last week, this attitude as well, just like last week's attitude, it is driven by this thing called pride, which drives the attitude we looked at last week, the attitude or the desire to be the most important person in the relationship. And if you weren't here last week, you may make sure you go to our website or our app and watch or listen to that because it really sets up today well. And again, even though we desire, when we desire to be the most important person in the relationship, we blame the other people for driving us crazy when it is our attitude, our attachment that I wanna be the most important in the relationship. Now, this crazy-making attitude that we are gonna be talking about today is another attachment that we make in our heart. And it's the real crazy-maker for many of our struggles, our power struggles that we have in relationship. And you go, what is this crazy-making attachment that we make in our heart? And here's the attitude. It is this. Being right is more important than making the relationship right. Now, when I said that, and those of you go, woo-wee, and come on, that kind of thing, you're going, somebody just came to your mind. Because we know how frustrating it is to deal with that somebody who always desires to be right. You know, they want to be more right. They have a need to be more right than make the relationship right. And they're more concerned about being right than what their right is doing to the relationship. Now, here's the thing. The reason that we thought about somebody else right away is because, as we've said for the past few weeks, we never look at ourselves as the source or having that problem. That's why somebody else came to your mind because it's always the other person. But if we were really honest, and if we would really look at our heart, we all struggle with this crazy-making attitude, and we have it attached in our heart, and we have made agreement with it. See, we all believe at some level that being right is more important than making the relationship right. In fact, whenever you even have a tiny sliver of this attitude. Maybe it's just one of the attachments you have in your heart. Whenever it is attached to your heart, it always creates unhealthy conflict. The need to be right more than make the relationship right, it always creates unhealthy conflict. See, the truth is, we've all been this person at times. We're this person more than we know. I'm gonna show you that in just a moment. See, it's the reason many of us have strained or broken relationships because we've been that person or we're that person right now. In fact, this crazy-making attitude is to a large degree, 
Don't, don't miss what I'm fixing to say next. This crazy-making attitude is to a large degree the root cause of all the power struggles that you have in your life with other people. See, you think it's their fault that you're in a power struggle with them when mostly it's your attitude of I wanna be right more than making the relationship right that is the cause of the unhealthy conflict. So to help you figure out if you're guilty of having this attachment in your life, of being right more than making the relationship right, if that attachment's attached to your heart, there are two obvious signs. Two obvious signs. Don't bump anybody about this. You're looking at yourself, right? We're not looking at everybody else, right? The first one is this. You argue with the person in your head. You have conversations in your head with them or about them. If you have conversations, if you ever have conversations in your head with them or about them, you have this attachment in your heart. Guilty, right? See, when someone has this issue and you don't like what they've done and it caused some unhealthy emotion to surface and come out of you, don't, don't you just love arguing with them in your head? Because you always win. <laughs> like, I am undefeated in my imaginary arguments. I'm just always right, just like you are. But listen, when you find yourself having these conversations in your head with people, it's a sign that you are more focused on being right in the relationship than making the relationship right. In fact, if some of you, you wouldn't have to spend so much money and time with a counselor if you would quit deceiving yourself and just admit, the reason I stay frustrated with the people in my life is that I am more focused on being right than making the relationship right. That's why some of you are so argumentative. You don't even let a person finish their thought before you have an argument. So the first sign that being right is more important than making the relationship right is that you argue with these people in your head. Anytime you go into that kind of conversation in your head, you have just jumped into agreement with that attachment. The other obvious sign is this, is you talk about the person to other people. Now, there's a word for this. Yeah, some of you said it, it's gossip. So let's just be clear on what gossip is. Let me give you a definition for it. Here it is, gossip is when you talk about a person with someone who is neither a part of the problem nor the solution. See, whenever you gossip, you have one motive and one motive only. It's to get somebody else to validate that I am right and that somebody else is wrong. Gossiping is never about making a relationship right. Never, never, never. In fact, we all know it does exactly the opposite of that. Gossip destroys relationships. King Solomon says it separates close friends. So don't miss this. I only gossip, you only gossip when I care about being right over making the relationship right. And more specifically, I care more about being seen as being right. No matter what it does, 
to the other person in the relationship. So gossip is like this billboard-sized clue that being right is way more important to me than making the relationship right. Listen, when either of these two points that we put up here on the screen a little bit ago that I don't have right now, but anyhow, um, having a conversation with other people in my head or having a conversation with other people about the other person, when either of those two things are going on, It's a warning that my heart is completely out of line with Jesus. Because how could being right be more important than the person who's on the other side of my need to be right? In fact, this was such a big deal to Jesus that he made this point very, very clear in his most famous teaching. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm just gonna tell you, it's really easy to read through the Sermon on the Mount and go, oh, that was for then, that was for then, that was for then. And we get to go through Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, which is the Sermon on the Mount, and we don't think it's a big deal. But, but I'm telling you, when Jesus said this to first century Jewish followers, they were stunned because it completely upended their view of God and people. And when you and I read this, as Jesus' words to us, because they are his words to us, it should cause us to consider the condition of our heart deeply because the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus basically laying out the foundation of the kingdom life that he is inviting us into to experience and live. And he's saying, this is what a follower of mine looks like. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew chapter five, verse 23. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, now offering your gift at the altar or sacrifice at the altar was a first century Jewish practice, so this needs a little bit of context. So whenever a Jew wanted to make sure that they were right, things were right between them and God, because in all of our minds, that's what matters the most, right? That things are right between me and God. They would make a trip to the synagogue or the temple and they would bring a gift or they would bring a sacrifice to offer to God as a way to make amends or atone for their sin. And as you might imagine, they usually encountered a very long line when they got there because everybody like you and I are in the business of sinning. So everybody had this idea or this interest of making amends or atoning for their sins. So this 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 thing of going to the temple and offering a gift at the altar, it costs them money for the gift, it costs them time, And sometimes it costs them a lot of time. And so Jesus says, hey, while you're standing in that three-hour Disney line wait and you're daydreaming about things, notice what he says next. And there remember your brother or sister has something against you. you. You know, you remember that situation where somebody bumped into you and it upset you, but clearly you were right You didn't do anything wrong. It's their problem, not yours. And you've had conversation after conversation in your head to convince yourself and to prove to yourself that you were right. Jesus says, well, I got some bad news for you. Here's what I want you to do. Verse 24. He says, I want you to leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come offer your gift. Wait just a minute, Jesus. If I leave this line and go talk to this person, this could become an all-day process. I'm gonna waste time finding them. 
And then I'm going to waste time in this argument trying to prove to them that I'm right. Then I've got to come back and I've got to get in this line and I've got to wait again to leave you this gift. Uh, Jesus, I don't think that should be first. I think you got this out of order. I mean, after all, it's not first go and be reconciled to them. It's first go and be reconciled to Jesus or to God, right? And then when I see the person on the street, man, I'll try to make things right if it's appropriate for the conversation. That's not how Jesus sees our conflict. From his point of view, it is impossible to be right with God. Don't miss what I'm saying here. It's impossible to be right with God if we're not right with the people that he created. In other words, God, he wasn't thinking that, oh, you can love me and not love the people around you. No, God's saying, no, no, you're, you're not good with me until first you're good with the other people. See, according to Jesus, making our relationship right with others should be our first priority. It should be a such a priority that we quickly take action to make it happen. And that flies in the face of all of us who try to avoid conflict. But Jesus doesn't give us any wiggle room to avoid it. He said, this is the first thing you need to do. And this flies in the face of all of us who go, ah, oh, time will heal all wounds. No, 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 that's just not true. See, Jesus seemed to indicate that you should not waste a moment of time making the relationship right. He says, it's the first thing you do. And this also flies in the face of all of us who believe that we were right. And because I was right and they are wrong and I've convinced myself I'm right and they were wrong, then I'm not responsible for making things right. Jesus doesn't care who was at fault. He says, when you are there and you remember, you are aware there's a problem. He says, you are responsible to go and reconcile things. See, Jesus says, when you've been wronged or whenever you wrong, you take the first step and you go and make things right. Now, that leads us to the question, how do I do that? How do I make that relationship right? Well, in the same sermon, if you're following along, go over to chapter seven. Jesus tells us exactly what we need to do when we go have this conversation with a, per a person. And it's very simple, but it's not what we normally do. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, beginning in verse one. Here's what he says. Do not judge or you too will be judged. So what this means is I can't just go tell them all the reasons that I've concocted in my mind why they're wrong in my conversations I've had in my mind with them and myself. And I can't go tell them why I'm right and they're wrong. No, that's not the part of the conversation that we're supposed to have. Why are we not supposed to have that conversation? Verse two, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measures you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus' point is, hey, before you go and you unload on somebody and you try to set them right and make sure that they know that you're right and they were wrong how they handled things and they shouldn't have surprised you and they shouldn't have done this and they shouldn't have done that, says, how about you remember that 
you were in a position one time and you deserved to be unloaded on. Your heavenly father had every right to unload on you, but he didn't. And in the future, when you sin again, how do you hope your heavenly father is going to treat you? And I'm sure you're sitting there feeling the same way that I am. It's like, I want him to treat me with grace and mercy and kindness and love and gentleness and compassion and empathy, not judgment. So Jesus says, um, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So you give them what you want yourself. And we think, oh, wow, that's pretty big. No, he takes it to a whole mic drop level in verse three. Notice this, what he says. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Listen, I, in my Bible, I have the word pride written out beside of that. See, our pride makes us always believe that it's somebody else's problem. When we talk about pride drives us to have the attachment that I am the most important person in the relationship, we always think about it as somebody else's problem. When we say that pride drives us to want to be right over making the relationship right, we always think about it as somebody else's problem. And Jesus knew that. He says, so why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, which is what we always go to do when we confront somebody, right? Well, I'm gonna set you straight because you were wrong, I was right. When all the time there is a plank in your own eye. See, what Jesus is saying is pride causes our biggest problems in relationship. You might wanna write this down. Pride causes our biggest problem in relationship. Self-deception. Self-deception. And self-deception is what creates unhealthy conflict in relationships. Because what we do is we obsess, and that's why we have these conversations in our head. We obsess over the faults and the flaws in the other person, and we ignore the faults and the flaws in our own life. And don't miss this. As long as I am blind to my own faults, I won't have any interest in reconciling with you. Because as long as I'm blind to my own faults, I am more interested in being right than making the relationship right. So I would prefer to judge you self-righteously than to look in the mirror of my heart. And because this is our tendency, Jesus warns us. He says, I want you to do something before you go to this conversation. Notice what he says in verse five. He says, you hypocrite. Here's that word again. Jesus gives us the priority for all of this, right? Here's our word again. First, before you do anything else, he says, you need to take the plank out of your own eye, out of your own heart. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do you know what it takes to live out this right here? You know what this takes? It takes a heart 
that is fully committed to following Jesus down the path of humility. Because in and of ourselves, our pride will not allow us to have the courage to do this. See, most of us don't have the courage to look deep into our heart and go, oh, there's an attachment there. And I gotta get this out. This is painful. See, we don't have the courage to look at our heart at that plank or that attachment and, and say as James and agree with James as we looked at last week and go, man, that is earthy, that is unspiritual, and that is demonic. And I've allowed it to attach to my heart. Listen, unhealthy conflict will wreck your relationships. But Holy Spirit-inspired courage out of walking the path of humility with Jesus, it will break those attachments from your heart. See, resolving conflict, it requires so much courage, not even the courage to go talk to that person. The greater courage is to deal with what's in my heart. Only people who have hearts filled with humility have the courage to have the ability to reconcile. So if there's some conflict that needs to be reconciled in your life, I wanna give you three do's and don'ts to express your commitment to follow Jesus down this path. I mean, after all, he's the only one that can give you the courage to deal with this this week. Three things. Here's what you need to do. First of all, you need to address, don't avoid. Don't wait for the other person to come to you. I mean, that's always our, well, it wasn't my fault. It was, it's, it's not me. It's got everything to do with them. No, no, no. If you know there's an issue, you go talk to them first. Go do that. If you've been gossiping about them, go talk to them. Stop gossiping to everybody else and go talk to them. If you've been having imaginary conversations in your head about them, he says, go talk to them. Now, talking to a counselor can prepare you to speak with them, but it does not replace addressing the issue. Listen, the most courageous thing you can do to is to face an issue this week that you've been avoiding for a long time. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it was someone that you're dating. Maybe it's with your classmate or someone that you're working with. Maybe it's an employee or your boss. Here's the thing. Address it. Don't avoid it, Jesus says. And the second thing he says do is you need to admit. You need to admit your part in the process. Don't, don't accuse. See, if you really want to reconcile the relationship, don't start by judging them for what they did. Start the conversation by admitting, owning what you did wrong. What was your part in the process? See, if you really want to reconcile, you got to own your part. And if you're having a hard time knowing what your part is, just ask God to show you a very clear picture of your heart and what you did wrong. And I promise you, he will. So don't excuse it. Own it. And then last, you need to accept whatever response they give. Don't antagonize them. 
trying to get the response out of them that you want. If they own their part, great. Don't pile on and try to make them feel worse and try to make them feel guilty and try to make them feel shame. If they act like they did nothing wrong, don't try to make them see it. That's not your job, Jesus said. Your job is to look at the plank, the attachment in your heart. Your responsibility is to be at peace with them as far as depends on you. You aren't responsible of whether they admit their fault or not. You're only responsible for admitting your fault and then just accepting whatever response they give. Remember, the condition of our relationships has as much to do with the health of our hearts as it does with the behavior of others. And as we talked about last week, if you expect them to respond in a certain way and you're not okay because they don't, it's because you think you're the most important person in the relationship, so they should make you feel a certain way. And that's never making a relationship right when you're demanding that other people make you feel a certain way. So who do you need to talk to this week? I can tell you the first person you need to talk to is yourself and go, what attachments have I put in my heart that are creating planks in my eyes and I'm picking out specks in other people's eyes? See, you need to talk to someone, I'm sure, and you're not going there to set them straight. You're going there to make amends for what you didn't do right. Now, I know it's not easy, but I can promise you, having a clear conscience before God is worth it because being at peace with others, it is worth it no matter what they do. Being confident that things are good between you and God because you've done all that you can do to make things right between you and the other person, it's worth it. But it's not easy because you gotta do spiritual surgery on your heart first. Listen, if you do not have the desire to make the relationship right, it means that being right is more important than the relationship. And when being right is more important than the relationship, it always leads to unhealthy conflict. It always leads to power struggle and unhealthy conflict is going to wreck your relationships. So today, as we close out in prayer, I want you to ask Jesus to give you a pure heart. I want you to ask Jesus to give you the courage to admit your part, to give you the courage to accept out of an unforced rhythm of grace how they respond, even if they never own what they did. And I'm just telling you, that kind of humility will result in this amazing God-given courage that will help you get rid of the crazy-making that's in your mind from all the conversations that you're having with them and about them. And it's gonna put you on the right side of the relationships that matter most in your life, especially your relationship with Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? For just a moment, I, I wanna give you the opportunity to review the conversations that you've had in your head this week with other people.
And now will you have the courage to say to Jesus in your heart as I say it out loud. Say, Jesus, today, I admit all these conversations I've been having in my head, it's because I've had more of a desire to be right than to make the relationship right. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for trying to remove the speck out of the other person's eye when I got this plank of pride in my own. And Jesus, today I admit, these power struggles that I'm in with people, this unhealthy conflict, I've been driving a whole lot more of that than I want to admit. So I ask for your forgiveness. And today, I choose to follow you down the path of humility. And I thank you that on this path of humility, I'm gonna have the courage, first of all, to deal with what's in my heart so that I can go to that person as you have come to me. And I can embrace that relationship without judgment, condemnation, and shame as you have come to me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. And I pray that you just continue to help me to live out your fruit in my relationships as I seek to make the relationship right more than being right. In Jesus' name, I give you thanks. Amen. Everyone, have a great week because you don't have to be right this week. So it's going to be a stress-free week, right? Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.